0: i'm mike gorman and you're listening to the celtics pod podcast for celtics blog here's your host adam taylor
1: what's going on everybody happy monday sorry the show's a little bit late but you know these things happen what can i say as usual, on a Monday, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Greg Manakis. What's going on, Greg?
0: What's going on, brother? Yeah, I had to bring a new hat to the table today, man. I, mean, I feel like I've been wearing the same hat every every pod for the past, like, two months. But this is actually the same um, same, same clothing line, right? Same brand. Yeah, United Clothing. So it's just different hat, but just happy to be here, man. Happy to talk Celtics with you, even though we had a tough loss to the Mavs. It was a good day overall in Celtics Nation.
1: So we could say you're a man of many hats.
0: (laughs) Jonathan Sharks actually called me that when he came on our pod. It was really nice. He was, uh, I was explaining to him that I do this pod. I do, you know, the 617 Green with Envy. And then I'm in a band. I'm a teacher and I do all these things. And that's what he said at the end of the pod. He was like, you wear a lot of hats, man. That's really cool. I was like, yeah, I do. Just not all at the same time. Can't do that, man.
1: That's that's just a bad idea, right?
0: Yeah. You got to take one hat off, put one hat on and then you're good.
1: Yeah, I've tried wearing two hats at once just as like a fashion statement, and I just look stupid. So. Oh yeah, we that.
0: all did that like in the late '90s, you know.
1: Yeah, one face in front, one facing back, <laughs> and then you had like a white sock and then a black sock, and then you'd have like a light sleeve top, and then oh man, I used oh, to. I, have, I you I,
0: know, I, I had the Allen Iverson armbands. <laughs> did you? I used to have. Do you remember the spinning belt buckles? Of
1: course. I used to have the, the Iverson spinning belt buckle or iced out. I don't know who I thought I was, man, honestly. So you look back and you're like, man, what, who did I think I was? Walking around with some fake bling on my belt buckle like I'm important. I don't know what anybody
0: was doing fashion-wise at that point.
1: Early 2000s, late 90s, that wasn't fashion. That was just whatever you could find in the closet that semi-matched you wore <laughs> as an ensemble. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> tough lust to the Mavs. We're definitely going to hit on that. I want to talk a little bit about Grant Williams' slump. Uh, mm. I feel like that's important. I don't feel like it's something that we need to be worried about at all, but it definitely needs addressing. Same with Jalen. I think, you know, if you take away those two big dunks off Jalen, I want to hit on what, we've, what we have and haven't seen from him in the last few weeks. Uh, but before we get into it, I mean, I'm going to be quite honest. I'll hold my hands up. I have not gotten around to watching the KG retirement yet. It's on demand. I'm going to watch it today. Um Yesterday, I was just, if anyone follows me on Twitter, I've been working on an assignment for university and it has been whopping my butt real, real bad. And it was kind of like watch the game and then straight back to to trying to get this degree finished off. So you watched it though. You said you had a few takeaways. I definitely want to hear these takeaways and then we can uh, touch on a little bit of Ray Allen because I know there was a talking point there too
0: so l- let me know like what you've seen so far have you seen clips of it have you just yeah seen- i mean i've tried mm-hmm. to
1: avoid it as much as possible because i don't want to go in and just be kind of like i've seen 80 percent of it and non-contextualized so i've avoided the majority of it to be honest the uh the only clip i've seen is where he's sitting down with Scallon, He's like, i didn't know y'all mess with me like that you guys really mess with me but mm-hmm. there's no context surrounding that right like i don't know yeah. what led up to that conversation or what led off of it uh and that's what made me decide hey i'm not I'm not consuming this until I watched the whole thing.
0: For sure. Yeah, and I like how you edited yourself because that's not what he said. Um, so it was, it was really funny, man. He dropped a lot of F-bombs as KG does, but they just they just let it happen. You know, on the broadcast, there were probably like five or six of them. Um, I wonder if they got special permission or if they're going to have to pay fines and the Celtics were like, you know, we want KG unfiltered, just go for it. But yeah, I mean, he was he was cussing the whole time in, in typical KG fashion, which was really cool. I think that... Like seeing KG appreciate the love that Celtics Nation was giving him and that the organization was giving him, um, meant a lot to to me as a as a fan, right? Because you want your athletes to be that invested in the franchise and be that invested in the team and the city. And it seems like more and more uh, athletes are kind of getting away from that. Right. As, as we get into the player empowerment era and people just like jumping from team to team, but he really, really appreciated what the Celtics did for him. And you could see it like the way that he was, you know, just as he was watching his number go up to the rafters there were a couple of times where it looked like he was about to break down in tears Uh, he had his two kids with him, which was really cool. Having them share that moment. And then the Ray Allen thing was obviously huge, but KG was just, I mean, he just showed himself to be the, the epitome of what a teammate should be throughout that ceremony. And that's what a lot of people talked about is just how great of a teammate he was. And he is like at the very beginning of the ceremony, not to spoil too much for you, Adam, but Scal is so nervous. Like as as he walks out there, you can tell that Scal is not comfortable at all being the person interviewing KG, and KG right from the jump is just like you nervous dog. Like, and Scal's like, yeah, I'm nervous. Are you kidding me? I'm super nervous. He's like, oh, you know, you're good. You've been killing it. And he like spends the first thirty seconds like giving Scal props about what he's doing on the broadcast, and he's like, it's just me and you up here chilling, man. It's just me and you up here vibing. And then Scal calmed down, and they had a great conversation. But the fact that in that moment. When the the whole night is about him and he was able to just recognize like Scal was nervous in that moment and how he could lead him into to be the best interviewer that he could be in that moment was great. It was great. It was so cool to see. But that's
1: exactly who KG is and was, though, right? Like he's the guy that, you know, he kind of grabs you by the scruff of the neck and then brings you along forcefully. But at the same time, he does it in a way where you're like, you know, KG's got my back. You know, there's some got there's some forms of leadership out there where you, you really do feel like someone's at your back forcing you forward. And it's kind of against your will. KG is kind of like, yo, I'm going to drag you with me. But by the time we get to where we want to go, you're going to be happy. I did. So do you know what I mean? It's that type of leadership. So for him to do that with Scale's great. I mean, scal split opinion. I think last year, a lot, a lot of people weren't really high on scale um, as a broadcaster. And I don't think that's a stretch to say, you know what I mean? I think he's grown into that role quite a lot. There's, I, I know, I don't sit there now like, oh, man, Scal's on the broadcast. I'm more like, oh, man, where's Scal? You
0: mm-hmm. know what I
1: mean? Because it, like I kind of value listening to a guy that, okay, he was never a top player in the league. He spent more of his time as a meme than he did as a baller. But at the same time, he was one of the best 450 players in the world. You know what I mean? That you're you're closer. I'm closer to the brand than you are to me. That little saying there was so true. So hearing him talk about the game and what he likes, I really enjoy that. Uh, with KG I de- I'm going to watch it it's, I've got like my little calendar open and it's penciled in for later today so I'll probably do my belated thoughts on that at later and then with the with the Ray Allen stuff like I put it in the Celtics Legends chat I know some people are like hell no Ray Allen shouldn't get any any love from the Celtics you know came, got got a title and left just because you win a chip don't mean you get your jersey retired mm-hmm. there would be no numbers left across the league but at the same t- well for some teams I mean the Kings are going to have all the numbers available but um <laughs> just throwing a little bit of shame, but you know, it's like, I get that for me personally. And I said this in the chat, I can't bring myself to dislike Ray Allen. You know, like I think that growing up, Jesus Shuttlesworth, he got game, all that stuff is what really like, I was a basketball fan, but that's what dragged me into playing basketball, learning about basketball. So Ray Allen had a huge impact on, well, I do this as a job. So Ray Allen had a huge impact on my life and my career choices So for me to say, I I hate the guy that like, that's, that's a lie. That's me fronting to appease a fan base. And that's not genuine. So I don't think his number should be retired by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think he deserves to be outcast anymore at the same time. Right. Like, you know, especially in the era where guys are winning rings and jumping ship left, right and center. Anyway, he was just one of the first to do it. It's not like, it's not like it isn't happening now anyway. He, he, like, you know, KG was loyal to Boston. Pierce was loyal to Boston. Ray Allen was never loyal like that to any team, really. Maybe Seattle at one point. Um, So I'm not totally, like, I'm against him getting a chip, but I'm not, like, one of these dudes that's like, man, forget Ray Allen.
0: Yeah, me neither, man. I just think, like... You know, I I truly believe that everything happens for a reason. If Ray Allen doesn't jump ship, one of the greatest shots in NBA history never happens. That game six shot for the Heat, and you know, that where they beat the Spurs. And to me, like, you know, as much as you want Ray Allen to have been loyal to the Celtics and not jump to the Heat when we had just taken them to seven games, you know, and that whole narrative involved with it like without him going to the heat, then that shot doesn't happen. And that is one of the coolest moments in NBA history. One of the greatest shots I've ever seen. Um, so it stinks that Ray left the Celtics. But I mean, if we're all being, as you like to say, if we're if we're all being honest with ourselves, the Celtics weren't going to win another championship with that core. It just was, you know, they were all kind of past their prime. Um, and that's okay. You know, that's okay. It, it stinks that he left. And it stinks that there was this divide amongst that legendary team for so long. But when you see KG call him up and you, you'll see it when you watch it, like he calls him up and gives him a big hug and Paul jumps in there and gets in the hug. Like these guys, they, they created something that's going to last forever and all things come to an end at some point. Right. And just so happens Ray Allen's time in Boston ended a little bit sooner than Paul Pierce and KG's did. And as a result, you know, he has that shot in Miami, but he's probably not going to get number 20 up in the rafters. And if he had stayed on the team, he probably would have been immortalized in Celtics lore with KG and with P- and with KG and Paul Pierce. And I just think without, you know, w- without staying as long as they did, it's just not going to happen for him. But he has his own moment where he doesn't get his number up in the rafters, but he is etched in stone for the rest of history with that shot with the Heat. So he gets his own immortality in his own way
1: yeah exactly and like you said everything happens for a reason and every decision has a cause like there's a cause and effect right so he chooses to go to Miami the effect is you you remove the opportunity to be up in the rafters with your Celtics teammates Mm -hmm. but you also get to be where you are so I completely agree there moving on from that I think that um you know i definitely if anyone's listening and they had other takes from this kg um ceremony please tweet at us because i'm curious plus i like to hear reactions before i go into it so then i'm like oh this is that bit so-and-so was talking about oh man i don't agree with that or oh man he was right yeah, yeah i saw that so like you know it's just a social media era when was the last time you went to a movie without hearing at least one one take on the movie before you got there
0: you know, what um, I, mean? I actually, so yeah, that's, that's fair. Right. I, j- I actually just went to see the new Batman movie last week, which is phenomenal by the way. I really, really enjoyed that movie. Um, but you know, I heard a couple of my students were talking about how they hated the movie um, and they were comparing it to the dark Knight. And it's just like a very different feel from the dark Knight. And then I saw some people that I trust, you know, we have like similar, not that I trust them, but we have similar tastes in movies. And they like, Oh dude, it's like, you'll love that movie. Like, go see that movie. So even though I didn't like read a review on it, I was at least getting people's opinions. Right. And it, it I agree. It, it is nice to kind of like get a feel for what people think, because, you know, our take on Ray Allen, it's not going to be the same as your take to you that's listening right now. And it's not going to be the take of all the people on Twitter. So, you know, it, I, I'm i not going to knock you for your, your opinion. That's just kind of how I truly feel. And as you said, I would be fronting if I said anything different.
1: Yeah. And I, I don't like living on front street, you know, I try and be as honest, like, like I say, honest with yourself, because if you're not honest with yourself, you can't be honest with everybody else. The other thing is I wanted to hear on as well was how do you feel about Tom Brady choosing to announce his unretirement during the ceremony? Like, do yeah. you think that was just bad timing? Do you think he even knew it was happening? Like,
0: yeah, that was, that would, that was really bad timing. Um, I, I would imagine he just didn't know it was happening. You would hope, you know, you want, Tom Brady to be so plugged into Boston and still care about everything happening in Boston to the point that he would recognize that. And you would think that maybe like his team of advisors would know that. Right. And they'd be like, yeah. Hey Tom, like maybe just wait a couple hours, like let KG have his moment, but you know, he's a human being and I'm sure he just made a mistake, you know, p- putting that out there at that time. Cause that is sort of messed up, you know, for sure. But at the same time, was he aware? Probably not. I think if he was aware, he wouldn't have done it.
1: Yeah, I mean, sports stars generally live in their own bubble anyway, right? So, yeah. unless somebody's like, hey, this is going on for KG in Boston, everyone in Boston is going to care about what you're about to say, whether or not it's with the Patriots, then we're going to need you to just hold fire, right? So, I, I just felt like it was bad timing, probably an unfortunate miscommunication, unfortunate circumstances, but it was definitely pertinent, right? Because, like, I'm chilling working away and then like i have notifications turned down for certain people so on my desktop on my phone i've got more notifications but on my desktop it filters through certain ones so like i'm working away and then it's like tom brady on retires and i've checked the clock and i'm like yo kg is just starting man that's harsh you know what i mean like i'm and then i'm like i don't know enough narrative like not being in boston not being from boston whether kg and brady were boys whether they had any beef so i'm just like let me just not respond to this because i just don't know enough about the situation, right?
0: Yeah, and here's my thing though, man. I was so locked in to the KG ceremony that I wasn't on Twitter. You know, I was watching it and I was just enjoying the moment. So like, if you you know, that's kind of like on you people out there that are on Twitter during the ceremony that are like checking Twitter and not just like being present in the moment watching KG. I just like didn't have my phone on me. So that when I after the ceremony when I started getting ready for our pod, um I I took a look and I was just like, "Oh, shoot, Tom's back." You know, but like in the moment it didn't mess up the ceremony for me because I was just so invested in watching the ceremony. Like at one point my girlfriend came out, she, she was like, you know, she was a cleaning or something. And she came out into, uh, into the living room and she was watching TikToks like out loud. As the ceremony was going on, I got so, like, in, inside, I was just like, wait, what's happening? Like, I'm, I'm so locked into this ceremony. I was like, babe, can you please uh, not play videos right now? And she's like, oh, my bad. And then she came over and sat down, and she's like, oh, that's not what I expected Kevin Garnett to look like. And I was just like, right, right now, I just, I just need this moment for myself. Thank you. Like, let me just.
1: Have yeah, this we break. we can discuss appearances and all that stuff in about 15 minutes, yeah. but right now, just right now,
0: I'm like teetering on the, the verge of tears right now. So yeah,
1: just leave <laughs> me be, please, please. What was the other thing I was going to say something and you were saying like being present in a moment, being on Twitter, and this is just kind of taking it away from, from like NBA, you know, in essence one of the things I've learned is to not live tweet during the games. And it's very rare. I get the opportunity to do so anyway, but for the last few weeks, I've been quite spoilt because there's been early games pretty much every weekend for like what, the last month. So I'm watching these games and I'm live tweeting away and I'm like, Hey man, like I'm rewinding more than I'm watching here because I, I, you know, I'll tweet and then I'm like, Oh, I missed the possession or I missed two possessions while I'm writing this tweet. Let me go back. So I just want to give a shout out to people that live tweet during games and they're not, in the stadium because y'all are the real MVPs because that is not easy. And like I'm not doing it no more. I'll tweet at the quarter, the half, the third, and after the game, no more of my tweeting through the game because I just don't know how people are staying locked into the action.
0: Yeah. It's especially, hard. especially tweeting like during the action, not just like Yeah, this one I'm saying. Yeah. Like I can, I can send out a tweet like at halftime or something like that, but I tried to do the live tweet thing just to like, you know, increase our presence on Twitter last year. And at some point we'll just ended up taking over our Twitter account because I was just like, dude, this is too much for me. I can't do it. So I, I most of my tweets come from my personal account now. And, um, I, I, don't really tweet that much about the game during the game, man. I just, I just like watching the game and appreciating what's happening and then I'll check in at, at, you know, in between quarters and at halftime and stuff. But, you know, there, there are people that have that skill set and that is just not mine.
1: Yeah, it's not for me, man. From now on, I'm just going to like, I'm so used to tweeting about stuff after it happens anyway, just because mm-hmm. of the way everything's laid out for me, that I won't be tweeting like as actions happening in games anymore because it's just too much. And I like I said, the people that do it, they need to some praise because that is not an easy thing to do. I think that gives us a good segue, though, well, a good break where we can go into the actual game itself. So it was a tough game. Two very good defenses. Two very good offenses. I mean, Lucas phenomenal. Jason Tatum's been playing phenomenal. So two very high-level, li- high close-to-elite players on the floor. And then you've got Jalen Brown, who, in my opinion, and this is where I want to start, really, has been struggling recently. Uh, yes, Butterfingers Brown is what I've come to know him as over the last few <laughs> weeks um, because I just feel like he's dropping – Everything, or and he's making. There's a read that the Celtics start have started doing, and I don't know if you've noticed it. They're running a high pick and roll, and then the big man, either Rob or Al, or even Daniel Tice, will will literally roll directly down the middle of the floor, normal. But then they will swing a pass over to the weak side wing. So they're using the roll man as like a diversion, basically, to open up, like to garner attention, to open up reception of a pass for like Jason or Dalen. And I've noticed Jalen run that play twice um, in the last two games. And both times, he just threw it directly at a defender's hand. Mm-hmm. And then the third time that it got ran, Jalen was the recipient. And it just slipped through his hands. And I'm just like, he really improved. After he had that short that spell where Jason Tatum was out with COVID. And Brown really got a lot of heat at that point for his pl- lack of playmaking ability. He seemed like he upped his game at that level. You know, he was making reads quickly. He was getting the ball out of his hands. He wasn't really doing too much. And now I feel like all of a sudden he's trying to make the same reads he was, and they're just not there. He just doesn't have the vision right now. It's something that's not clicking for him. And uh, I think he's been quite detrimental on offense, to be honest.
0: Yeah, he's been pretty bad, man. And it it's it's tough to see. And I, I don't understand what goes on with him, why there are so many ebbs and flows in his efficiency. Um, especially with his shot like yeah the the decision making is I think that's going to be something that we see throughout his career uh, I think he's definitely able to make more passes than he has in the past I think his lob passes are getting better Um, but those weak side those like cross-court weak side passes it's just a count late or he's like telegraphing it a little bit like I, I don't know what it is about those passes that he's just not seeing right now but he's just not seeing it and it, it's not a pass that I've really ever seen him make. So I don't know if that's a pass he's ever going to be able to make. But he is he is making better reads, um, you know, coming off of pick and rolls and seeing the lob pass or seeing somebody in the dunker spot just for a little drop down once he brings the the, the big man up to him. Um, so I, I, I do think JB's improved on some level. But for me, the biggest thing is like the shot, which... I thought at one point was about as sure a thing as he could get either in the mid-range or catch and shoot on an open three. And I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but just eye test wise, I just don't have the confidence that a Jalen Brown three-pointer is going in, especially three corner threes where two years ago, I would have said, if there's anybody on the team, I want shooting a corner three, it's Jalen Brown. And now that's probably not my answer anymore. So I don't know if it's I, I, I kind of always see this thing with JB. I know he had that crazy dunk, um, which he was able to propel himself higher, right? He, he, like, pushed off of Kleber's face to get himself another, like, foot in the air. But, like, to me, it's his legs. Sometimes I think JB's legs just look tired or he doesn't have as much bounce. He kind of drags his feet as he's running. I know I'm kind of getting off your original point. But the, like, that, that's kind of what I see Is the, the issue with JB Is like he looks like he has very tired legs And he just looks like a tired basketball player right now
1: So I've just pulled up His last 10 games uh, On basketball reference He's shooting 32.8% from free 47.5% From the field overall 67% from the free throw line That's the concerning point yeah. right but, um, Then he's got where are we? Two point three turnovers a game, four assists, four rebounds, twenty points. So his aver- his averages are good. His three point shooting is below average. Field goal percentage just a shade below average too. That free throw shooting is terrible at the moment, and the reason I say terrible and not you know try and sugarcoat it is because I've always believed, and a lot of people believe, that your free throw percentage is very indicative of your skill as a shooter, and I'm not saying that a ten game sample size means. We need to change our opinion. I mean, he's a career 71% free throw shooter. So, you know, there's a big gap between how he's been over the last 10 games versus how he is his career. But even that 71% is still low for my liking from a guy that we're relying on to be a second scoring option. When you want to look at his corner threes, he's shooting 35% from the corner this season. That's down from 41% last year, 48% the foot. the year before there in fact go. there's only there's only been one year where he shot worse from the corner and that was in 2018 2019 where he shot 30 percent
0: so and i think um, his, his i don't think he took as many that year i'm, I'm pretty he sure took, he took
1: 76 overall through the yeah. year he's, te- he's already taken 88 this year yeah so you know there's not as many either i feel like you know just for the point is 31st percentile among wings for corner freeze, so he's quite low down there Um, and I, I understand that like in a time in a sense because Udoka's system is more reliant on rim pressure it's more reliant on penetration kicking and then creating open looks but Jalen to start the season and to end last season looked like a mid-range assassin and all of a sudden the mid-range shots seem to have dried up He's settling more for, I feel like he's forcing his drives a lot. Like those donks were dope. Don't get me wrong. I love the. I love guys that get up there and jam it down and the energy it injects into the team. It's, it's palpable. You can see the guys feeding off that energy, feeding off the crowd. So it has value within itself. Plus it puts points on the boards, of course. But for me, like you're forcing your drives so often that you're, you're in a position where all you can do is explode to the rim and dunk because you're forcing it, the defense collapsing on you, your passing's not really there right now, your handle's a bit loose. As you said, you look a little bit tired. I I just, I don't know, physically, I don't think there's any issues. Like, I don't see him, like, um, gassing out or anything. He seems to always go at, like, 95 100%. It's more so from a production standpoint, and I'm like, hey, if the Celtics, like, you know, Jalen Brown was at 80% production last night, the Celtics win. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, And it's it's got to the point now where I feel like Jalen Brown's a passenger in more games than he is at the front of the car helping lead the charge. And yeah. if your second option's a passenger, then that's not the second option that's going to help you win a championship. Now, that's quite a hyperbolic statement because it has only been 10 games, and I get that. But this isn't the first time we've seen him kind of revert back to this version of Jalen Brown. So I am a little bit concerned.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at his last three games, right? He, so he got hurt in that Atlanta game. He came back for the Brooklyn game. Um, and that, that's another thing to to keep in mind, man. He, he did get hurt recently in that Atlanta game. So may, maybe that ankle's still bothering him on some level. Against Dallas, he had three turnovers, six for 16 from the field. Against Detroit, he had three turnovers, eight for 22 from the field. And against Charlotte, he had four turnovers and he was six for 16 from the field. So like the recency of the last three games, especially... It's looked pretty bad. Um, you know, 14 points against Dallas, 22 against Detroit, 15 against Charlotte. So these last three games, I know you you gave the 10 10 game sample size, but the last three, I think especially, have not been pretty for him. And you know, you you mentioned something that I, I this is kind of more of a, like a big picture thing and how fatigue affects people. But like for some people, I think fatigue manifests as as physical fatigue, right? You can see them where. They're like, maybe they they don't have as much lift on their shot or, you know, they they just like look tired. And for JB, I don't know that I ever really see him look too tired. Maybe it's decision making for him. Maybe when he's fatigued, um, that that's when his decision making kind of plummets, is that that's how that's how it manifests, is he's not seeing the court as well, or he just like decides to make a a pass that's a count late instead of a count early. Um, but yeah, that that that's kind of just like a big picture question I have for you, is just you know, with fatigue, do you think JB's fatigue is, is manifesting in a physical way or a mental way?
1: I think it's a little bit of both, right? Like, for me, like, my outlook on this is Jalen Brown is an exceptionally talented basketball player. He's unequivocally the second best player on this team. I think Jason Tatum's took another leap this year that cemented mm-hmm. him as the number one guy there. Um, the the decision-making is the problem for me. And like you say, if it is fatigue and Jalen's quite a cerebral guy, In general, right? You hear about like everything that he's involved in, everything that interests him. It's all very intellectual. So, and he approaches that game the game in a cerebral way as well. Smart with the way he sets screens. Smart with how he peels off when he lifts, when he sinks. Blah blah blah. So maybe that is part of the problem. Maybe he's mentally fatigued, and this and the physical injury kind of took him away for a game or so, and he's came back, and it just wasn't long enough away to help him hit that reset button do you know i mean that mental reset button but you know these guys there's breaks between games and when they're not playing they're usually pretty free right it's not like Mm -hmm. you know you have practice it's not like a nine to five when we're looking at the last three games because you brought it up 17.4 percent from free Mm -hmm. like that's not good at all that's on 7.7 attempts per game yeah like 17.4 percent now don't get me wrong I'm not going to beat on him, like beat that drum too hard because when Tatum was struggling from free, everybody gave him a wide berth. We knew the shot would come back round. And I feel just as confident in saying that about Jalen as what I do about saying that as Jason. The, the, the only difference is I'd much rather you struggle at the beginning of the season than now when every win matters towards seeding and we're really close to hitting the playoffs where we're going to need people to be bring their A game this is the worst time physically possible to hit a slump.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I kind of point to that though. Jason Tatum was just going crazy from bananas for the past month. So like maybe it was a good time for him to hit a slump. And now if JT kind of comes back to earth, maybe JB can kind of pick up the reins a little bit. As you said, during this Tatum stretch, JB has definitely looked more like a passenger. And I think that was a great way to put it. He was not driving the car very often, if at all. And at some point, you know, you need to, Tatum needs to get out of the driver's seat and just chill out for a little bit. And there are going to be games in which teams, like last night, where they scheme specifically early on. I think that was the earliest I've seen a team send doubles at Tatum. They didn't wait till the fourth quarter. They were getting out of his hands in the first quarter. So, like, when games like that are happening, we have to have a game plan that takes advantage of that and says, okay, Jalen Brown, like, it's your turn because they're not going to allow Jason Tatum to beat us. And it, it's got to be on you tonight. And I don't know what why he was unable to kind of take advantage of of the double teams um I haven't gone back and rewatched the game yet but to me uh, to your point about him driving kind of a little bit too far I feel like that was something he was doing a lot earlier in the season and had gotten out of that habit of getting caught in the air getting blocked you know when when two guys go at him when he's driving in the room he gets tunnel vision He he got blocked a few times during the game yesterday I just think like if he plays with a little bit more patience and a little bit more pace on those drives and isn't looking to dunk everything, um, then that that's going to go a long way for him in that assist to turnover ratio and just decision-making because he tends to overcomplicate the game that like his bad games or when he's overcomplicating things by just almost trying to keep it too simple. It's like, I'm doing one thing. I'm going to the basket and I'm trying to score right when he does that. When he doesn't realize that, oh, when I see two bodies, I just got to move the ball. That's when he struggles. And I think last last, last night and the last few games, we've seen that a lot.
1: I just want him to play at a level where I feel super confident in the Celtic second option being a legitimate second option. Yeah. And you are right. Like it does feel like it overcomplicates things a little bit. Another guy that's going through a slump, and we'll hit on this after we come back from the break another guy that's going for a slump is grant williams so if you just wait there we're going to go over to ads now and then when we're back we'll hit on grant williams And we're back. I hope everybody enjoyed those lovely advertisements. Um, yeah, so Grant Williams for me, I think he's been slumping as well, especially from free. Not as bad, and I'm not as like, I'm more concerned about Jalen than I am about Grant. For Grant, my biggest concern, and I said this when I was on with Will at the end of last week, was Grant needs to prove this shooting's real, right? Like if he wants a, a decent extension, then Grant needs to prove that his shot's legitimate. A slump was always going to happen. I think that. I personally believe the shot's real. I just think that defenses are closing out to him a little bit quicker, showing a little bit more respect to that shooting ability. And now it's Grant's turn to adjust again to dealing with the additional pressure of a guy throwing their body towards you every time the ball hits your hands on the perimeter. Uh, I like Grant as a post-up guy. I like him as a screener still. But if if that free stops falling, again, it's just the worst time possible to have a slump. I don't think he's been bad on defense by any stretch.
0: Yeah, so looking at the game log here, in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games. In the last ten games, he's had five games where he has not made a three pointer. And then so that's going dating back to February twenty sixth at Detroit. And then when you look at the games before that, he has the the last time before that he had zero three pointers was January twenty eighth against Atlanta. And then going back January 12th against Indiana. So he had a stretch where he was hitting, there were only two games in the whole month of January and pretty much all the way through February where he didn't hit a three-pointer. So we were getting so used to seeing Grant knock down at least one three-pointer. And then, as you said, he's going through a slump. So five games without a three-pointer. And we've become so reliant on a Grant Williams corner three, seemingly even in big moments to carry us, um, you know, when, when we least expect a basket from Grant Williams, it's like, oh, three in a row, boom, the game's over. And we were starting to get that from him. So without those three pointers made, the Celtics don't have enough shooting on this roster for Grant Williams to have a prolonged slump, especially when it coincides with the Jalen Brown slump.
1: Yeah, and that's the concern, right? Two guys slumping at the same time that are both vital to the way the team are playing. That's a, That's a big concern. And I feel like that was part of the reason why the Celtics failed to hit some of their looks yesterday I think that's why it was so easy for Dallas to kind of just throw the kitchen sink at Tatum double him hard hedge on every pick and roll and then just rely on Luca to do Luca things down the stretch because you didn't have to worry about Jalen coming into this game like you worried about him at the beginning of the game when you realize hey he ain't got it we haven't got to worry as much they went to Horford at the beginning. They, got you know, forced Horford into some mismatches with uh, Luca at the beginning, fed Horford in the post, let Horford get to work. They went away from that quite quickly. I feel like when, you know, was it the beginning of the second that there was a shooting slump? And then just after the beginning of the fourth, there was a shooting slump as well, if I remember. Both of those times, I would have preferred to start feeding the post just to see the ball go through the net a few times. And then you, that rhythm's back. You've seen the ball drop your confidence is back up. So, yeah, I feel like this game was just a loss against a really good defense. It's not a, not a reason to panic at all, in my opinion. But at the same time, there were trends where I was kind of like, man, what, if you know this is working, why aren't you going back to it when things aren't? When everything else is falling apart, go back to what's been working for you in this game. Get the switch, feed the guy on the post. It's mm-hmm. not the most prettiest of basketball, but it's going to put points on the board. It's going to reinvigorate your confidence. We can't always rely on the Jalen Brown super dunk. It's yeah. just not. It's just not possible.
0: It's interesting. So I follow uh, Dana Barros on Instagram. Do you follow Dana?
1: I do follow Dana, yeah.
0: So, yeah, so he was posting some videos from from yesterday's game and he had this really interesting clip that he posted because he was sitting there, Big Baby, and Big Baby was yelling at Grant Williams during the game. And Grant was that. sitting there in the corner with his hands on his knees. For those of you that don't follow Dana, go follow him at Dana Barros 3 but big baby is screaming at Grant Williams you're from the SEC dog you're from the SEC you're playing like you're in the ACC go post up luca go post up luca stop playing like you're from the ACC and like you got to ask yourself in a game with so many Celtics former players there and when you're getting that level of of scrutiny from a former player that maybe that was weighing on some of the guys mentally because it did seem like some guys just didn't have it yesterday. Derek White being one of them. Grant Williams being another one. Um, you know, even Rob didn't play to the extent that he normally. Like, yeah, yeah. So like, you have to wonder if if the moment was just like a little too big for for some of the guys. Um, not that that's a bad thing, but that video of Big Baby yelling at Grant Williams stood out to me you know just as we're talking about Grant because I agree when when we post up Luka and get two easy baskets early in the game why didn't we go back to that you know we had one turnover I think maybe like the fourth possession of the game where Luka fronted Horford in the post instead of playing behind him and got his hand on and gotten a steal and I don't think we tried to post up Luka the rest of the game
1: yeah it was just like oh okay that worked for a moment let's move away from it and I think one of the things for me is I always like to have a baseline offense, right? I like to be like, hey, if all else fails, we can go to this and we will get back on the board and we will break that slump early. And, you know, then we can go back to running our our transition offense, our, our 21 offense, whatever you want to run, fine. But when it's not working, that post up was proven cash. So you have to go back to it. It's just the most logical. And I get it. Sometimes they, the way the defense is going to set up is going to make that difficult. They might have a guy um, helping who's kind of shaded in. So it's two guys challenging the pass. Well, then you don't go to the post up. Do you, you run a bit of punch and get them in the high mid post and run, throw, like hit punch there and then let Grant back a guy down or spin off, drop step, whatever it may be. So I was a little bit like, oh man, you know, you've seen this work and you've moved away from it. I do agree as well. Like, you know, there is an opportunity there for this weight, this expectation, playing in front of guys that have all been to the top of the mountain. So, you know, one of the dudes has got his number in the rafters already. The next one's about to have it done. You've got vocal guys like Big Baby in in the crowd shouting and screaming at you. And I'm sure Grant wasn't the only one to hear something from him throughout the game but at the same time if that weighs on you if a big moment like that where so many people are there that have got such experience if that's weighing on you then you're not ready to be classed as contenders anyway because mm-hmm. guess what the moments are going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger the deeper and deeper you get into that playoffs so i get that it might have weighed on people but that should be a learning experience they need to learn from that and learn to compartmentalize what's being said what's being expected and what's going on on the floor because if you can't do that the, the top you're not getting to the top of that mountain you have to be able to compartmentalize shut everything out and just focus on what's happening on the floor
0: yeah and that's kind of my big takeaway from yesterday's game was that it was a learning experience for all, for all players involved right the fact that they were able to after the game sit there from the, for the ceremony and watch what it means to be a celtic and you know what they could aspire to be um and see kevin garnett get the outpouring of support that he got and the love that he got you no, know, that's a learning experience in itself. And then, you know, when you're playing against Luka Doncic and you see a team that executes in the fourth quarter against double teams, and you look at our our side of the things, and we see that Jason Tatum didn't quite make the reads as quickly as he did. And then even if he did make the reads quickly, the, the guy who was getting getting the outlet pass out of the double team wasn't necessarily making the crispest read. So like you have learning experience there, saying, okay, they did it better than us, but we're probably gonna see things exactly like this in the playoffs because we have our own version of Luca in Tatum. And then you know, it's another learning experience for a big game. And I would rather, you know, have these learning experiences during the season, during the regular season, so that when it comes playoff times, these feel more familiar. Very similar to, you know, what Brooklyn's philosophy was bringing Ben Simmons to the Philadelphia game. You know, even though Ben Simmons, for whatever reason, I don't even know if he's going to play this year, but the fact that he was there in Philly getting all the hate, getting the F Ben Simmons chance. I think those are important moments to go through just so you start acclimating your body to it and you get used to these high intensity environments. That's exactly what that game was last night. And last night was a very, very much a playoff feel. And we got a good chance to see what the Celtics might look like in that in that setting. And, you know, I think the Celtics could have won that game. It's not like we got blown out. We blew a lead down the stretch and we lost to a really good player and a really good team.
1: After the game, and this is the same whenever the Celtics lose, there's a section of social media, not just Twitter, that happens on every social platform, where the negative Nellies come out in force. All right. And I and I had a negative Nelly in my comment section for a while. And but was his point was
0: Pardon. <laughs> I said was it Ron? No.
1: It wasn't Ron. Um but his point was valid and i had to say that like your point is valid but what wasn't valid was the way he was trying to make it but the point he was making was yo well, there's no shooting right if you've got an extra shooter on the floor or an extra guy that you can bring in that's hot then you probably win that game you know it was tight enough and close enough that a couple of misphrases would have would have swung that changed everything if they'd gone in and that's usually how losses and wins happen anyway so we can't say oh it's that but his argument was, hey, you, you've got Derek White, and Derek White's fantastic in terms of like his processing speed, the way he attacks uh, straight off the catch. He's fit with this team. It all works great. But just where are the shooters? Where's Nick Stauskas? Where's Sam Hauser? Where's whoever? Uh, I was thinking about it because I, I, I kind of like, I'm happy with the way this team is. I think Brad Stevens has done a great job of rebuilding, and I think one loss should not mean that you start looking inwards. It's just ridiculous to think so. But there's definitely an argument there that, hey, this team still lacks shooting and until they add it, we can't consider them legitimate contenders because, hey, when Jalen Brown has a bad game or if two of your guys, two of your eight man rotation play bad, you lose because you've got no one that you can be like, right, then ninth man that you haven't played in a while. We know you can hit freeze, get on in there and do your job. So I, I'm just wondering, like, do you subscribe to that? Do you think that they are just one legitimate shooter short of being a contending team?
0: Possibly, but let, let me just back up a little bit. Did I did I actually see this? Were you going back and forth with Haralaba, Volgaris?
1: No, I weren't going back and forth with Haralaba. I, I did quote tweet him, but I okay. wasn't going back and forth with him.
0: Okay, I didn't know if the person you were referring to was Haralbob. I was like, oh shoot, we got some Haralbob love here. (laughs) I I like Haralbob, he's a cool guy. Uh, But yeah, I I do think that for this team to be a championship contender, we need to shoot better for sure. I don't know if like there's like a missing piece that we can add to this team in future seasons. I don't know if Nick Stauskas is that guy. Um, But I mean, I just think for this team to be a championship contender, they're, they're going to do it on the defensive end. You know, not all teams need to be perfect teams to win championships. That's just not the case. Um, and when you have a transcendent talent like Tatum, if he continues to move up that ladder and move into the upper echelon of players, you saw what happened. I mean, the the Milwaukee Bucks, man, last year, I know Giannis is a different animal, but they're not a perfect team. They're not a perfect roster by, by any stretch of the imagination. When you look at their roster, like who are their who are their knockdown shooters that they like really, really have on their roster. They don't have like a ton of guys that I'm like, Ooh, if only we had him on our team, (laughs) he would be good. Right. They just have really good players that play great defense and they have big shot makers and then they have Giannis. Right. And I think the the Celtics, maybe we are one even shot maker short of what the bucks have. Cause I think Chris Middleton and Jalen, I'd probably say they're roughly comparable players. Um, Drew Holiday probably is a better big shot maker than Marcus Smart is, but I don't like love Drew Holiday in a clutch situation. You know, it's just like a lot of guys that know how to play basketball and play basketball well together. And then, I mean, let's go around the league and look at all the teams that either have a perfect roster or don't have a perfect roster. Like, would you say any team out there outside of maybe the Phoenix Suns when they're completely healthy, have a perfect roster? No, no, Right. There just aren't that many teams that that way. And the Celtics are going to have to learn to win with the pieces that they have. And they have an identity. And that's something that a lot of teams don't have is they don't have that identity. And the Celtics do. So I feel good about this team heading into the playoffs. Yeah. Like I I would not be surprised if we're in a game seven and we lose game seven because we don't hit enough shots. But that's what happens sometimes, man. Sometimes you hit shots. Sometimes you don't. In the game last night, Dorian Finney Smith, who is not a good three point shooter hit like five threes, you know, yeah. that happens.
1: Sunshine's on a dog's bomb some days. I mean, like I, I, I gen- I'm I, with you. I genuinely don't think that the one loss should cause us to start tearing this team down I, no. because it's just, it's counterproductive. I mean, this team is what, weren't they climbing up to like first in offensive rating for the, for like the last six weeks or something before this game? So you can't be towards one of the best teams in the league for offensive rating over a stretch of time. If you're not making shots, the difference is that a couple of guys are having a bit of a slump and you, when it's more than one of them, you feel it. That's the same for any team in the NBA. If you've got a 10 man rotation, if two or three of your guys are struggling and they're going through a rough patch, guess what? You're really going to feel that like that's just how it's going to be. And you know, for the Celtics, two of their guys are having their rough patch right now. Am I concerned? Not really. If it carries on for two, three weeks, they're a little bit concerned at that point because more losses will come. Do you know what I mean? But you know, like you said, Jalen might just be a bit tired. It might be a bit fatigued. He is only three games back off missing a game with that injury. There's going to be time after. There's opportunities and time for him to find his find his footing back in there in the rotation and kind of figure out his shooting struggles. I'm not concerned at all. I just think that, you know, I'd much rather guys not be slumping right now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, kind of point to that. Will and I had this conversation yesterday, like. How, how many games did we want the Celtics to to win right now when you get Brooklyn, you know, being in the seven and eight seeds eventually? The Celtics were like just about in the two seed and like, you know, sniffing around the one seed. And if they get into the one or two, the chances of playing Brooklyn in the first round are like really, really high. I know it's never good to lose a game, but like at some point you got to be a little bit worried about climbing too high in the standings because I think I've, I've heard many people say this, the three seed in the Eastern Conference is really the one seed this year. Right, because you do not want to play Brooklyn in that first round, and I absolutely do not. So as long as the Celtics stay sniffing around that three seed, I would be happier. And dude, honestly, I would be happier with the six seed than I would with the two or the one if it meant we had to play play Brooklyn. Like that's how scared I am of getting up into the two or one because I want no part of Kevin Durant in a seven game series, um, and that's kind of just how I feel.
1: I also want no part of being knocked out of the playoffs in the first round by Brooklyn two consecutive years. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'd much rather you you, they get knocked out in a second. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, you know, we're going to find out. And like you say, it might be a blessing in disguise. Maybe these guys are just taking a few possessions off each game to kind of maintain their body. And we're just seeing the side effects of not playing at 100%. Who knows? There's another game coming up, and we're going to get more answers there. Before we go, if you've enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe, follow, like, rate, review, do all these cool things, all these nice things, leave nice messages, make us feel good. And if you're on a device that doesn't let you do so, or you've already done so, then there's still a way you can help us. And my boy Greg here is a master at marketing. So he's going to tell you exactly what you need to do.
0: I think this is the second time in a row that I've referenced big baby in this segment, but you know, the next time you're at a Celtics game and you feel like shouting something out to the players on the court, just let them know that you listen to Celtics pod on on SB Nation just yell at Grant Williams say Grant did you listen to Adam Greg and Will on the last pod they were talking about how you're going to break out of your slump soon baby you're going to do it knock down this next 3 you know instead of heckling them you know give them some positive support let them know that we're talking about them and we're talking about them in a positive way cuz this team has been fun to watch 17 and 3 in the last 20 games super fun and for all you out there that Continue to show us support. Thank you so much. Tell everybody about this podcast because we do it big here, baby.
1: We go big. Go big or go home. Right, everybody. Catch you again on Wednesday. Have a good start to the week
0: and don't do anything we want to do. Deuces. I ain't disrespecting you haters, I ain't sweating your opinion, y'all been testing my patience never did it for a check, I've been impressed with the famous, just rather be creative than stressing my wages, ageless every time I lay a verse down one play at a time, keep it moving like a first down, and at the end of the day, I can say that I made this MJ never made it to the major. still, he chased greatness, expected that he might fail, and I might too I might never get to pop champagne celebrating with the crew, this ain't everything I am, it's something that I